The following program, The Kitchen Table Progressives, is sponsored by The Kitchen Table Progressives and to the extent applicable, their guests. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of News Web Radio Company or its management. Welcome to Kitchen Table Progressive. Paul Richardson here, inviting you to join us around the table for an hour of a casual conversation on law, civics, and politics, driving the current issues, where the menu is progressive and the table manners are unapologetically liberal, <laughs> as always. On the program this week, I want to talk about what is a right? What are your rights? What is the nature of your rights? Where, where do you get your rights? Do we get our rights from God, as uh, many people, uh, I think, probably mistakenly believe? And uh, certainly it's something that the right-wingers want to tell you because they want to tell you that God gives them the right to carry a gun and blow your head off. Um, uh, we will th- that, that will be a kind of a, a long segment. So I, um, I, I'll have to uh, ask you to hold your calls till I, at least till after the bottom of the hour. Uh, at 773-763-9278 because I, I want to get through this segment on, on rights. Uh, also, I'd like to get to uh, inflation. You know, the Biden economy, <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Yeah, right. Uh, and then gasoline prices. Uh, you know, there's an interesting little gimmick that uh, the Republicans were trying to play uh, in Washington State that I want to tell you about. Kind of a, a, a funny uh, thing that they did. But really, uh, kind of a... Uh, well, I'll, I'll explain it to you and talk about that. Um, we'll talk about what, what would the price of gasoline be if there weren't any taxes on it. And you'll be surprised to know what the answer is. So think about that. What would the price of gasoline be if there weren't any taxes on it? <laughs> okay, think about that one. Remember, we're in a free market economy now, right? Supply and demand, that's what sets the price. Okay, think about that. And, and what a good deal having taxes on gasoline really is. Okay, um, also, who invented sliced bread? Uh, I think there's one listener out there who knows the answer to that, but uh, do you know why they invented it? That's the interesting part. So maybe that listener will give us a call on, uh, later on uh, after the, in the second half of the, of the program, after the bottom of the hour. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, inflation, and rights. So let's get into it. Um, let's talk about this uh, question about rights. Do we get our rights from God? Well, let's find out where where did that notion come from. It comes from uh, the, Declaration of Inter- the Declaration of Independence. And I'll read this part where it says, we, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Unalienable. This is, this is something that can never be taken away, right? Just suppose that's what that means. Why do they say this? It should be we. We believe. It should be kind of like the uh, Nicene Creed. We believe. Why are they talking in they terms? They're using 
that all men, they are created. We are created. We're men. We're created equal. Men and women. Nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. But remember, the Fifth Amendment says you wouldn't be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Uh, so apparently, <laughs> life and liberty uh, are a big part of pursuit of happiness, and uh, at least due process of law is uh, you could, maybe could be deprived of that. To secure these rights, so the, are instituted among men. So the declaration goes that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men and women, deriving the just powers from the consent of the governed. Deriving the just powers. From the consent of the governed. That's really important to talk about what rights are. Deriving the just powers from the consent of the governed. You see, the Constitution is not about rights. It is not about rights. I'm going to go through where, it's, where the Constitution talks about rights. The Constitution uh, uses the word right just 15 times. The Constitution uses the word power 36 times. That's what the Constitution is about. The Constitution is about powers of government. Powers of government. That's what it's about. So this notion that we get our rights from God, are there such things as you know, God-given rights? Yeah, I think there, there kind of are, but they're not anything that's outlined here. I'll talk about that you know, kind of towards the end of what, what are there God-given rights? Okay, so let's look at the first place where the, by the way, the, the first time that the right is, the word right is used in the Constitution is an article. Um, well, let me answer the question this, this way, and I'll, I'll, I want to ask, what is a right? What is a right? And then I'll answer this question, and hopefully in going through the, the examples, you'll see it's a little bit confusing. A right, a right is a point of qualified discontinuity. A right is a point of, the primary of power. Qualified discontinuity of one or more of the primary political powers. That means, uh, so listen, I'll say that one more time. A right is a point of qualified discontinuity of one or more of the political powers, those being the three branches of the federal government and the other being the state. A, a point of qualified discontinuity? What the hell does that mean? Well, let's just take the qualified part out, and that helps. A right is a point of discontinuity of government power. So, in other words, what I mean by discontinuity, we have government powers all around us. So, if you take a piece of paper, okay, and just say that the the sheet of that paper, it's that's where that's where all that's all government power, just a white sheet of paper. But then take a little marker and or a pen and just make points. You know, dick, 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 point, 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 point. Those points could be thought of as rights. Those are points uh, where the the whiteness or the, the white part of the paper is right. So a right is a point of discontinuity of government power, where the government doesn't have power. But you see, I said it's a point of qualified discontinuity, because as you will see, your your rights are basically regulated by the government, and they could be taken away. There there aren't any unalienable rights, as is espoused in the Declaration of Independence, of right, uh, the rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. I think the state can take your life. 
since the Supreme Court decided in 1976, they can certainly put you in jail. That's your liberty. And I think those the first two are uh, are, are pretty. <laughs> Those are uh, make up a big part of your pursuit of happiness, unless you'd like to sit in your jail cell, cross-legged, you know, in the lotus position, and say, "Oh, you can pursue happiness that way." But uh, that's a tougher that's a tougher lift. Okay, so where's the first word? The time the right the word right is used. Article I. In Article 1, Section 8, these are the enumerated powers of Congress. It says to promote the, progress the, the Congress to, pro- to promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing the rights of authors and, sci- and discoverers, the exclusive, the exclusive, the right, exclusive right to their... Their, sorry, the exclusive right to the respect, respective rights or discoveries. So to get to, let me read it one more time. By promoting the right, the progress, to promote means to provide money for, promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing for limited, limited times, times to, to authors, authors and inventors, and inventors the, the exclusive right, right to, to their respective, respective writings. writings. You see? Inventors. So the first thing is that Congress is giving, you, is giving us our limited rights for a limited time for our right to our, to our writings and our discoveries. That doesn't sound like a right. This is where the word right is used the first time. It's used to, to show it this, in this case that Congress is giving us that's right. That's what it is. That's the first place where it's used. First of the 15 times. Okay? Blank. So first amendment, I-17 the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law respecting uh, or establishment the establishment of religion, religion or, or prohibit. Free. The free practice thereof, exercise. or free exercise thereof, thereof. or, or abridging. abridging the freedom, freedom of. of the press of speech, or, or of, the of the press, press. or, or the, the right, right of of the people peaceably, peaceably, to, peaceably assemble. to assemble. Okay, so again, what's described? Your freedom of religion. It's not referred to as a right. The only place it's referred to is the right of the people to peaceably assemble. That's where the word right is used. The rest of it, you see, is things that Congress will not do. It's describing a, a, qualified, a qualified discontinuity. Congress shall make no law. That is a qualified discontinuity, of, or at least a discontinuity, of the power of government, right? That's what I meant by a discontinuity. Congress shall make no law. The right to peaceably assemble is where the right is used. Okay, so the Second Amendment is uh, pretty easy. <laughs> a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Okay, the right of the people to keep and bear arms This is the uh, shall not be infringed. This is a weird sentence, and I could spend the whole hour or three hours uh, breaking this down about what the primary clause of this sentence is, but it, the right of the people to keep in bear arms shall not be infringed. That in and of itself, that's the third, the third and fourth clause. 
the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. But that's not the whole sentence, you see. It says, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. That's important. What is the subject of this sentence? The subject of a sentence is the, what the sentence, the noun about which the sentence pertains. The noun about which the, to which the, the sentence pertains. The, the subject of a sentence is the noun to which the, sentence, which the sentence pertains. In this case, it's the security of a free state. The object of the sentence is the noun to which the verb applies. And the verb is, shall not be infringed. And that means it applies to the right of the people to keep and bear arms is the subject, sorry, is the object of the sentence. It's not what the sentence is about. Because you can see, the object of the sentence is the noun to which the verb applies. The verb is, shall not be infringed. And therefore, the, the subject of the sentence, that is the, the noun to which the, the, the sentence pertains, is the free state. Okay, but there, there again, it is, it, is, it is something that's regulated, a well-regulated militia. It's not a, it's not a pure right. Or they would have just written, uh, the right of the people to keep and uh, bear arms shall not be infringed. That didn't need to write the first part. Uh, the next place where the word uh, right is used is in the Fourth Amendment, where it says, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, the right of the people... People. To be, be secure in, in their, their persons, houses, houses papers, papers, and, and effects. Okay, does that does that somehow isn't isn't that a right to have a right to an abortion? The right of the people to be secure in their persons, the inside of your body. It says right there, but you can see. Uh, Apparently, the Supreme Court thinks that it's up to the states to decide up for you without due process, right? They can just make a law. Due process would mean that a woman, every woman that wants to have an abortion, if the state didn't want them to have it, they would have to take them to court. That's due process. But that's not how it works. The point here is, and I hope you're getting this, is your rights aren't pure. And I'll go on further. Your rights are not pure. And it all they are regulated by the people who are your legislators, the people that you elect. Okay, let's go on to the um, the Fifth Amendment doesn't have the word right in it, so I left it out because it has to, we have to I have to make this a kind of a shorter class here. Okay, the Sixth Amendment says. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a, a the right. To a okay, prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury. Okay, that's the right to a jury trial in criminal cases. This is and this is by the way, this is not this is not by a jury of your peers. Jury of your peers actually comes from the Magna Carta, uh, Article Thirty Nine of the Magna Carta, where it actually says by a, a jury of your equals. Peers is never used. The word peers was never used. And this, so this was, but this says, look, in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein 
the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law. Okay, so you're, it's not a jury of your peers, like the people you hang around with. The word that we went, that's kind of your sixth grade or, or uh, you know, uh, middle school, junior high school understanding of the Constitution. It's a jury uh, in the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed. So the people have the right to try. They also have the right to the speedy trial, not just the defendant. You see, it's it's both. The people also have right in that state and just in that state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed. The people have a right to a speedy trial. Also, Donald Trump. You know, just the say, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to put off the trial until after I die. Would that be okay, Judge, uh, Judge Cannon? Would that be all right? Yeah. <laughs> and you, and the, the whole can, the whole amendment says you can confront the witnesses and, and so on. You can read it yourself. Uh, I just wanted to go to the point where it talks about the right and to have the assistance of counsel. Okay. Although um, your assistance, your right to counsel uh, was not always. That was only. Um, that was only uh, that was only first in capital cases where you could have death penalty. In fact, it was Gideon versus Wainwright, nineteen sixty, I think, is where the Supreme Court said that you have a right to counsel um, in the state, in states, in the states. Not just remember, these rights are applied to the governance of the United States. These are rights. Points of qualified discontinuity that apply to the federal government. Right? That's why that's important, and that's why so much of the Constitution is written in passive, uh, in passive voice because it's presumed that the subject is the federal government. Okay, so the Seventh Amendment um, says, "In suits at common law, where the value of controversy shall exceed twenty dollars, the right of trial by jury." Shall be preserved. Okay, so preserved. Preserved at what? Shall preserve and no trial by a jury. Sorry. No fact tried by a jury shall be otherwise reexamined in any court. Then according to the rules of the common law. So this is not a new right. This right says that you have a. This says that you have a right to. In a, in a suit at common law means that you have a, uh, this is a civil case. This, you, the right to tri- uh, jury by trial by jury shall be preserved as to what it had been previously under common law, as per the rules of common law. And so, therefore, the Supreme Court does, has, has ruled that this, the Seventh Amendment, is not sufficiently fundamental that it will be it is under equal protection in that the states have to abide by this. The states can say you don't have a right to a, uh, a um, trial by jury in a civil case. The states can say that. As, as per the rules of the common law, which are old and kind of complicated, and I honestly don't, don't know them all, what this, this, is, this would be kind of wonky, uh, when, and when you can and can't have a trial in a, in a civil case. But the Supreme Court said this is not sufficiently fundamental that the states must abide by it. They, that's what they said. Therefore, it also shows you that the Bill of Rights 
and this is in the Bill of Rights, are not fundamental rights. Not necessarily. They are not necessarily fundamental rights. I argue that the, the Second Amendment is not necessarily a fundamental right. Whatever that means, we can talk about that. That's the Seventh Amendment. And then the Eighth Amendment doesn't talk about you have a right not to uh, be punished in a cruel and unusual way, but it doesn't say the right. It just Again, the Eighth Amendment talks about uh, the is qualified discontinuity of government power, what the government cannot do. It doesn't talk about your right. And then in the, ni- the Ninth Amendment just says, um, the enumeration of the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed or disparage others retained by the people. In other words, it doesn't specify any other rights, but it just says that simply because we mention a few, and by the way, in this case, They've only outlined, so far, six. We've only outlined six rights of different things. Remember the Article 1, Section 8, uh, the right to, your, to uh, exclusive rights to and patents to your, uh, author, your authorship and your discoveries. That was the first one. Then we had the right to peaceably assemble, First, first Amendment, the right to bear arms, Second Amendment, the right to secure, be secure in your person, house, papers, and effects, and the right to a jury trial, in criminal cases and in civil cases, if the law in your state says it's okay. Those are the only ones that have thus been outlined. That's it. Those are the, that is it. The other, the rest of them, and we have a couple more to go, all pertain to your right to vote. But the first, <laughs> the first, the, and I want to read the Tenth Amendment because it's important too. I said that, that the Constitution is about power. The Tenth Amendment says, this is what it says, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited to the states by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. Again, the powers, I'm going to read this slowly, powers not delegated to, to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the state states respectively or the people or to the people. So in other words, the constitution can say that the states don't have such certain powers and that it does. It says that in, uh, in article six, those are the article four is the reciprocity clauses, but article six is the supremacy clauses which talk about things that the, that the federal government is supreme over the states. So you see how this is kind of, uh, your, your rights kind of are based on who are your leaders. Who, who, have you, who have you voted for? And that, speaking of which, the next, time, the next time the word right is used is in the 12th Amendment, and it refers to the right of the Congress to vote. The electors shall meet in their respective. The electors shall meet. The electors. This is uh, with a president. This is what Donald Trump tried to mess with. The electors shall shall meet in the respective states and vote by ballot for president and vice president. Okay, this all has to do if the if the if Mike Pence had pulled it off and they didn't certify the vote of the electors, then. It goes to the Congress, and if the House, whenever the right of choice shall devolve, and if the House, if the, the House, House of, of Representatives shall not choose, choose a president, a president whenever, whenever the right, right of choice shall, 
shall devolve upon them. That means upon. when if the if the if the House of Representatives doesn't vote for a president once the uh, if the election electors cannot be certified, then there's there are conditions on that. The Twelfth Amendment is too long for me to read right here, and it, it would just take up too much time. So again, it has to do with the right of Congress to vote, not your right. We, we're getting to that. The right of the people to vote begins in. In the 14th Amendment, um, section one. in section one, it says, no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens. No state shall make any law that shall abridge the privileges or immunities of any states. No state shall make or enforce any law um, which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United, of the citizens of the United States. So in other words, a sit, the states cannot abridge the privileges of, and immunities, which means those are your constitutional rights. Those are, the, those are the rights, the privileges of immunities of citizens of the United States. They're not called rights. They're called privileges and immunities. And remember, have ever, anyone ever told you those are not rights, those are privileges? How about the other one? You ever hear people say, along with rights come responsibilities? <laughs> have you ever heard that? Where? I don't have to see the responsibilities listed here. Okay, I'm going to continue with this just a little bit uh, in the next segment uh, and uh, finish up about voting, and then uh, and then I'll open up the phones for your calls. So um, just be patient with me. It's kind of long. I will go through these a little bit more quickly, and then we'll get to your calls. Okay, and we'll be right back. Thanks very much. Back with you here on Kitchen Table Progressive here on AM 820 WCPT Chicago's Progressive Talk. Um, I know we have a couple callers on hold, so uh, let me get through just a little bit more on because uh, what I have left here uh, has to do with just your rights to vote. So in the 14th Amendment, it says, but when the right to vote at any election for the a choice of electors for president and vice president, and then it goes on to a list all the others, uh, congressmen, whatever. There's a whole bunch of lists, but it says the electors. Um, when the right to vote is denied to male citizens, to male citizens, thank you. I'm thinking of Jim here because uh, I know what Jim wants to talk about. If the right to vote is denied to male citizens of age 21 or longer, 21 or older then the representation of the state uh, can be reduced by that many, by the whole number. In other words, you lose, you lose representation if the, the uh, number of, uh, of uh, ma- males, 21 or older, is denied the right to vote. Obviously, it doesn't, it doesn't include females, but again, that's the right to vote. United States. Okay. Um, and citizens of the United States. Blank. Um, the 15th Amendment says, Section 1, the right of the citizens to vote shall not be denied, denied by an account of the right of the citizens to vote of the United States to vote 
shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race or previous condition of servitude. You know, they, so again, that's a qualified, isn't that a qualified uh, discontinuity? It is. Um, uh, it, it didn't say by anything else, just race. Okay. How many other ways can they do it? How many other ways can they, well, uh, uh, by, by race or previous condition of servitude? Well, you know, in the South, after the Civil War uh, and after the passage of the 15th Amendment, you know what they did? They had what they called grandfather clauses. They got around this by saying, you can vote if your grandfather could vote, which meant former slaves could still couldn't vote because their grandfather couldn't vote. Yeah, that was, uh, that was another uh, slick trick that they put in. Uh, okay. Uh, that's the 15th Amendment. This, that's the, the second of five that apply to voting. The 19th Amendment, amendment the right of citizens to vote shall not be denied, denied or bridged by the United States or any state on account of sex. It should say gender. Okay, so that says that your right to vote cannot be denied on account of sex. That's the 19th Amendment. And then uh, the 20th Amendment, um, it's a, a bit wonky, but again, it has to do twice uh, with the, it's, it has to do with replacing uh, the president or vice president and it says the, the uh, House of Representatives when they, the right of choice uh, de, de, uh, comes upon them and the same with the Senate. The right the, the, the word right is twice used to refer first to the House of Representatives and second to the Senate. Okay, so again three times out of 15, 20%, three, three times out of the 15, the word right is used to talk about the rights of the House, twice the rights of the House, and once the right of the Senate, the, their right to vote. Five times it talks about your right to vote as a citizen. The first one, uh, you can't be de- the, the denied by the states if you're 21. Uh, the second one has to do with you cannot be denied the right to vote based on uh, race or previous condition of servitude. Uh, and then we go to the the 24th Amendment, which says um, the right of citizens to, of the citizen of the United States to vote. The right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be uh, fringed by a basis of poll tax. So your right to vote cannot be abridged uh, by with poll taxes you cannot they cannot get make poll taxes this was uh that was passed in 1964 they were still using poll taxes in the south to stop poor people mostly blacks from voting and of course uh uh, finishing up here the 26th amendment uh passed in 1971 well before we're out of the vietnam war section uh, section one says the right of citizens of the United States who are 18 or eighteen years of age or older to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of age. So if you're 18, you can vote. These are what these are the 15 places in the Constitution where the word right is used, and the point of this is to show that um, you better be careful about who you're going to put in. Who's going to be uh, the 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 legitimate powers, as it says up here in the uh, in in the uh, Declaration of Independence? You better be careful who you put in there, because frankly, I think first of all, your right to vote for president is not 
guaranteed. It says that, uh, did I write this down here? Blank, blank, uh, blank, blank, blank. I guess blank. I didn't. Well, I know it. Uh, so, uh, Article 2, Section 1, or Section 1, Paragraph 2 says, Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature may determine a number of electors to equal the whole number of senators and representatives uh, to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. So in other words, your electoral votes, the electoral votes of your state are your number of senators plus uh, U.S. congressional districts in your state. You don't have a right to vote. They, it says that the, each, each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may decide. Before 1880, we didn't vote for president. You won't, we only have a right to vote for president because as of eight, the election of 1880, all 50 states, I don't know, it wasn't 50, actually it wasn't 50 states. Was it 48 then, by then? Um, all of the states at the time uh, passed laws that allowed the people to vote for president. There was a popular vote that would be certified by the state, and that's how the legislature decide to choose electors to send to their state capitals to vote. They don't have to do that. They can change their laws and go back to whatever way they want, which is have a beauty contest and let the, the blondest blonde uh, choose the electors, and that's the way that... And I am telling you, if you're not careful, you're going to see, as this right-wing fascism marches forward in, in the United States, there are going to be red states who, 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 go, who take that away. They will say, no, we're not doing that anymore. North Carolina wanted to do something similar. Okay, um, let me get to the call. So uh, Jim's been holding. Let's talk to Jim about... Uh... Hey, Jim, how's it going? Hi, Paul. Well, listen to you. I'm thinking of amendments. When they wrote first to the Constitution, nobody could anticipate how, how many amendments would we have to be incorporated to keep civilization going. But... My point is, uh, take, uh, let, let's start with the woman's vote. Start with the woman's vote. Mm-hmm. That was about 140 years later, with 1920s, the women finally got the... And, and the way it happened was the Western states started, by themselves, started getting the, getting the right to vote. And it wasn't federalized, I guess, until 1920. Mm-hmm. But my point is, it's almost like the abortion issue now. They're going state by state, and uh, you know it's it's similar to the it's similar to the woman vote. Right. Yeah. You, you mean that they allowed some of the states were allowing women to vote? Um, right. Some of the Western the states. Amendment, that, yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Yeah. Um, yeah that's right. Um, it just wasn't part but, of the Constitution, but it didn't say that states couldn't allow that. That's right. Because it didn't but, say that the Constitution... Con- yeah. yeah, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Yeah. No, but it's, it's, it's almost mirrors this abortion issue. If we go state by state, this is going to go to 50 states. I mean, this is how preposterous this is. Yeah. From from uh, you know from a decision, in, what, in uh, 1973 that everybody was... I never heard anybody peep about it. Maybe fifteen, twenty years, maybe ten years ago or so. Well, do you, do you agree with me that um, if you look at the the Fourteenth, well, both the Fifth and the Fourteenth, the Fourteenth Amendment restates part of the Fifth Amendment, which says that 
uh, no person sh- no person shall be denied the right to life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So, if you are being compelled to carry a fetus to term, you are you are best definitely being uh, denied your right to full freedom. And by the way, if you're if you're compelled to carry that fetus to term and to pre- the pregnancy to term, you have just been you have just been uh, your right to property, which is, has been turned, the court has has, no, has uh, ruled that money is your property. You are, have just been signed up for 18 years of economic servitude, right? Absolutely, so you, yes. Absolutely. You have been, the woman has been compelled into nine months, 280 days of biologic servitude to be followed by 18 years of economic servitude. And I guarantee you that if you don't uphold your, <laughs> uphold your end of the bargain, the state will be all over you, Right. Look at our foster, look at the foster children, look at the problems they have, you know, taking kids away from different people, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, right. but, but, but the cast, how many amendments do you think, well, let's, let's end this with, but by the time we're dead, Paul, let's say, let's say in a hundred years from now, how many amendments to that constitution do think they'll be? Um, well... <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, you know. Yeah, by the way, a, the twenty, the twenty, the twenty seventh amendment was actually, uh, you know, when the the amendments that first were written uh, before the Bill of Rights, there were actually about nineteen. Well, originally there were twenty nine. It got cut down to nineteen, and I think there were, um, uh, yeah, about nineteen of them. Only ten of them passed. Uh, the one that's the the 27th amendment which was talks about that the the congress cannot raise pay it's uh, it, uh without that one those amendments never had a time limit on them like a lot of them do have to pass within 7 years and it was a um political science student i think at the university of texas who uh said hey this amendment has not expired and in uh, I can't remember, his name was Charles I can't remember the guy yeah, I remember I remember I remember that he started writing letters to and he's the one who caught it he he wrote this as a paper in his politi- his sophomore political science class he got a C on it and uh, he he actually resubmitted his he, he, to raise his grade to an A plus in the after the amendment twenty seventh amendment was passed he said I was right you gave me an A plus and they. They said, "Well, we'll give you an A." <laughs> like, well, <laughs> they oh, had, come on! They had, to, they had to get. They had to get. Them, they had to get one way or the other. Yeah, the Yeah, exactly. But, so but, I, I don't know how. Yeah, but it, but here, here's here's another thing. Like Hillsdale College or, or some of these, uh, you know, some of these uh, Republican, whatever they, but how can they have two people look at the Constitution and have two diametrically opposed ideas? Because, or, or, or yeah, because, different ideas. okay, I'll tell you how. Because much like the Bible, the Constitution is written at a high level of abstraction. And so there's room for people to put in their pers- their personal ab- uh, beliefs into whatever they want to. That's why. And that's essentially, you know what, I've, been, I've said to a number of uh, lawyer friends of mine that the, the Constitution, and frankly, this is why in old times, uh, lawyers used to all take Latin. I think we should actually still teach it. Because Latin is such a precise language. Of, and that's why I, I told... 
Um, I have a friend named Jim who's a lawyer. I said, he said, that's what, that's why they love to write, uh, law in English because you can just twist it any damn way you want. If it was written in Latin, it'd be too precise. Nobody wants that. Right. If they wrote, no, the Constitution, exactly. yeah, if yeah. they wrote the constitution in Latin, it would be so precise. There would not be much wiggle room, but they didn't want that. Yeah. I, I really think that the, the framers wanted this to be something that was so abstract that I, I don't think they really knew so much about what they thought they wanted here, which is why. No, no, have, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. They, 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 just, it, they, they were. With the, how about the Native American, the African slave, women? I mean, they're all, they're all, none of them are in that constitution. No. And, and they, no, it, under, their criteria, under their criteria, they could keep power for ad infinitum. Now we keep the, yeah, keep the well, same people a, in. There was a case um, in 1823. It was called uh, Johnson versus uh, McIntosh, or Mintosh sometimes it's called, in which the Supreme Court ruled that the Native American, the indigenous people of this land, do not and never did own any of this land i mean because what they said ownership means ownership means i mean they occupied it but ownership only came under the under the uh well, the 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 title of when the british when, when the british came and colonized it well they they have laws that are ownership laws the, the natives never had any ownership laws so they didn't own any so when the british came and colonized it they owned it and of course and then when when we we being being former you know we the british colonists when they had a revolution they said well we got the we got the rights to ownership from the british in a treaty and uh, with the um with the with the condition of the uh, occupation of of the natives, but they never owned it. So guess what? So here's the thing. Here's the point, Jim. If you want to talk legal. about it, was never legal. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and so when you think about the natives on the reservations, and this is I'll relate this to the situation in Gaza. You know what I said? If if Israel wanted to say this neighborhood sucks, let's sell Israel and go buy. Let's sell the whole damn thing and buy you know buy about the same amount of land yeah, in in Utah. And Great Salt Lake, and we'll pretend it's the Dead Sea, and it'll be a lot like Israel. They could do it. They could sell Israel and go. Could the could the uh, Palestinians sell anything? No, because they don't own anything, right? And it's the same thing as it's the same thing as the Native American. What if the Native Americans said, "Hey, this reservation life sucks. Let's sell it. Let's sell it and just move somewhere." They couldn't sell it because they don't own it. I the, know, natives, I know. the natives do not own their own damn reservations. That that land belongs to the to the federal government. So anyway, Paul, I don't know. It'll take it'll take a couple of eads to straighten it out. Thanks, Paul. Yep. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Jim. Thank you very much. It's uh... <laughs> we'll be uh, we'll be back for the last segment. I will uh, tell a little story about gasoline prices in Washington State and what a gimmick that was. And I'll answer the question. Uh, it was Mary's question. I think it was. She asked, who invented sliced bread? And I'll tell you who did and why. We'll be right back.
All right. Hey, finishing up uh, the last segment here on Kitchen Table Progressive. Paul Richardson with you here in the last few minutes here on AM820 WCPT, Chicago's Progressive Talk. So here's the question I heard from one of the listeners uh, earlier in the week. Uh, Mary asked, do you know who invented sliced bread? And the answer is Wonder Bread. <laughs> I guess that's what's Wonder Bread. Uh, and that that sounds right. I... Um, but the important part is, do you know why they invented it? I'll tell you why. And it, again, it comes to the South. It comes right back down to that wonderful place we call the American South. You see, remember the, uh, what the Wonder Bread commercial said? Wonder Bread builds strong bones 12 ways. I remember, look for the colorful, you know, the colorful balloons on the package. Uh, Build strong bones. To, well, to me, I just thought, well, that's that's what they say about all food. It's uh, you know, it's supposed to build strong teeth and everything. And why do they make it so soft? <laughs> well, because it was intended for people who barely had any teeth. And here's why they invented it. what it's it's called enriched white bread. Enriched with what are the twelve ways? It's enriched with twelve vitamins and nutrients. And one of the things that happened was, in the South, um, they ate cornbread. Cornbread is what most people ate. And by the way, most people back in the 30s, you know, I think this is when it was, didn't eat much meat. Poor people didn't eat much meat. And one of the things about corn is that it's notoriously short in a, an amino acid, that you, uh, an essential amino acid called arginine. There are... 20 amino acids, about 21 that are used in all living things. 20, 20 amino acids that are used in what are called eukaryotic cells or animal cells uh, that are, we have in our body. And 10 of them uh, are, are are essential. Uh, I won't name them off because it would be boring. But arginine is one of them. Actually, arginine is semi-essential. You can make some arginine on your own, but you can't make enough to... Uh, keep up with the need that you, you knew. And our, amino acids are what you use to build proteins. So, uh, and they've noticed that you can't just feed cows corn. Uh, it's, they don't get enough arginine. And arginine, why, to build strong bones, what are the things that happen? Uh, people who just ate cornbread is, the uh, beginning of the 20th century, in the South, people had what was called rickets. And it, they were bow-legged. They had these, their, their bones were bent in their legs. And they realized that this was um, a nutritional deficiency. And so they just made this bread and they injected the, the nutrients into it so that you'd have them. Uh, and it was white bread and it's really soft and therefore that uh, almost anybody can, <clears throat> can eat it, even if you don't even have any teeth or hardly any teeth which a lot of them didn't, you can still eat white bread and have your peanut butter sandwich. Um, and, uh, and, and by the way, they had peanut butter, so that was a good thing to have. Peanut butter and jam sandwich was a, a way to get some nutrition. So that's why they invented white bread. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about uh, gasoline price, inflation and gasoline prices. Um, here In Washington State here, they, they had a gimmick uh, where a... A gas station down in, in South, the, the South King County, South Seattle area, ran this special. Uh, this is because there are Jay Inslee, Governor Jay Inslee, Democrats, not running again 
he's, he's had three terms, and there's a whole slew of Republican candidates who want to get in there. And what they're trying to do is say, oh, infl- it's not inflation. It's all the taxes on gasoline. That's where gas prices are. It's not, it's not the, the fossil fuel companies gouging you. It's, it's all the taxes. Jay Inslee's carbon tax and all the taxes. So if we take off all the taxes, we'll show you what the real price of gasoline is. And so at this one gas station one morning, they took off all the taxes and just sold the gasoline at what the price is without the taxes. They said, this is what it would really be. And, I, of course, it was some donor. It was some Republican donor, who because they have to pay the taxes, so they did pay the taxes. And they said, this is what the price would really be if there weren't any taxes on gasoline. Wrong. Wrong. It wouldn't be two. What was it? Two eighty-five. Gasoline in in Washington State's over four dollars a gallon, depending on which station you hit. But uh, why would that? Why, why wouldn't it be two eighty-five or two ninety? Whatever it was, people were lining up like crazy, lining up like crazy. It only was on for four hours. I think it was from <clears throat> from six a.m. till ten a.m. because they didn't want to have to pay all this. Yeah, so people lining up like crazy. Why? What's the price? What is price based on? It's based on supply and demand, right? Demand me. Its price is directly related to demand. It's inversely related to supply. We have, and that's what sets the price. The market does. The price is set by what the market will bear. So if, look what happened. What happened when they lowered, took off all the taxes? People lined up like crazy. The demand went up, right? How long can you meet that? So if the price of gasoline is 410, it will be that again. It will be 410 even if you take the taxes off because the demand will force it up that way. And that's what it will have to be. It will be the same. Only you won't get the benefit of the taxes. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for joining me. It's been a pleasure. I always like to be here with you. And uh, it's, it's certainly a pleasure for me. Join me again every Sunday at 6 p.m., immediately following the family meeting for another edition of Kitchen Table Progressive right here on AM 820 WCPT, Chicago's Progressive Talk, where facts matter at heartlandsignal.com. We'll see you next time.